Welcome to Not Alone, a podcast about faith, mental health, and what the church can do to build the bridge between them. You are joined by your hosts, Michael McCord, Evan DeYoung, and Lindsay Geist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our segment that we are going to have on mental health. A little bit of background here. We had a mental health project, ironically called uh, They Are Not Immune, that we had to postpone and now 100% rename Best name ever. <laughs> going into this uh, global pandemic. Uh, and so we wanted to take some of those resources and apply them here online and be able to share some of the conversations that we had had together. Uh, I have the privilege of being here with two wonderful, very experienced, brilliant, wise people. Uh, I am Evan. I'm on staff at the Wesley Foundation at Kennesaw State, and I will let Lindsay and Michael introduce themselves. Lindsay, if you want to kick us off. Hey, everybody. I'm Lindsay. I'm both a pastor in the North Georgia Conference, as well as a licensed clinical social worker. I have a background in doing a lot of crisis intervention work with uh, nonprofits and churches, and also offer individual counseling support services. How do you follow you don't. that? You did. Yeah, I think you this just awesome. start talking. I think that's yeah. the only thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Michael McCord. Uh, I'm a campus minister, and uh, right now I work for the Commission on Higher Education in Georgia. So we support a bunch of campus ministries in Georgia. I get to work with some of the coolest people and the coolest students you can imagine. And uh, my undergrad's in psychology, so it's always been really important to me. My role as a pastor, as a as a confidant, and uh, an encourager of people. I uh, love to to help think about mental health as a, as a really important facet of our life, both spiritually and physically, mentally, all of those things come together. Um, and I just love young adults. And um, sorry, there's a there's a package being delivered. At, this is the trouble working at home now. Like, <laughs> delivering a package right now. Right in my peripheral vision. Yeah, my yeah. dogs my dogs uh, love it when so anyway, somebody comes to the door now. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it's just it's just weird because they pulled up in a Buick and they <laughs> delivered a package. It's just welcome. just one of those gig weird economy, moments, right? So. Well, Sorry. welcome to the yeah. you've heard of the yeah. Lincoln the world being nothing like we thought it was before. That's <laughs> true. Well, yes, I think that's right. All the things you've taken for granted are, are, are yeah, not necessarily Yeah, I think there. that's a good segue into what we kind of wanted to talk about first, uh, which is just the idea of mental health. Our program uh, was for youth, young adults, their parents and youth leaders to just try and serve uh, what we believe to be an underserved, under-resourced community in the church. Uh, And so for us, we really felt like we had to start kind of from the ground up on what mental health is. And I think we've all had a really interesting look at just what mental health is. And we've all experienced that a little bit over the last three or four weeks, or maybe a little more acutely aware of our like internal dialogue here. Uh, And I think that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, or a lot more time yeah, trapped to yeah, think about it. However, you feel about it. Yeah, uh, I just yeah. so my question to you guys is what like what is mental health in general? How should when I say that word, how should we think about it? Because I honestly feel like most of the time when I hear mental health, I only hear it talked about when like something does somebody something does somebody like evil, right? Like something evil happens and people are like, oh well, this is a mental health problem. And I'm like, well, what does that what does that mean? And Lindsay, the way you've talked about it uh, really kind of changed my opinion on how I should think about it. Mental health has gotten a bad reputation 
over the years that we talk about it only in negative forms. In reality, it is no different than our physical health. So if you're not feeling well and you have a pain in your side, the first day or so you'd probably go, okay, that's kind of frustrating. Maybe I'll try to stretch, sleep it off. Mm -hmm. If it stays for days on end, you probably would say, okay, maybe I think that a doctor should look at this. Maybe something more is going on. In a lot of ways, our mental health is no different than that. We all have thoughts and feelings and emotions. That's part of what makes us human. And then as as time goes on, sometimes those thoughts, feelings, and emotions feel like they get stuck. They go on a loop and you start feeling somewhat paralyzed. In those moments, it is helpful to seek out some additional support the same way that you would go to the doctor. Our mental health is just about our uh, mind and emotional well-being. And, and so we, that is something that everybody has. Everybody wants to be taking care of that part of themselves. Yeah, you know, I, I think we came at this whole thing because as those of us who work with college students, what happens so often is... A college student gets to that environment and they don't have the same uh, structure around mm-hmm. them that they used to. And that can be uh, a liberating force. So a person can kind of come into their own identity and understand themselves differently than they did before. Um, but that also can be a terrifying force um, uh, that without those sort of boundaries and structures that have kind of held them together. Um and what we've experienced on the campus is really just a spike and increase in anxiety, at least just sort of underlying anxiety. And then sort yeah. of in a lot of cases elevated to the sort of the clinical level of anxiety um, where, where anxiety starts to interrupt their daily life or, or, or keeps them from being able to do the things they want to do or in, enjoy life or, or do well in school. Those it's become increasingly um, more prevalent uh, in in, in, in very real and tangible ways. Um, and then also the level of depression and even suicidal thoughts, those things too have risen to the, to the, to the level or surface themselves in ways that, that feel more potent these days than they have been. And so the reason we wanted to get into this whole, this whole, you know, creating this wonderfully named event, they're not immune, uh, was, was let's, let's try to go back earlier and, and teach them uh, and create opportunities, not to teach them, but to, to be in relationship with people and to share some skills around mental health when they're younger uh, and to do it in their family setting and their community setting, because mental health is a community issue too. It's not, it's not an individual pursuit. Um, there are aspects of it that are individual uh, for sure, but one's mental wellness is part of a community and a system, a family system too. So what we wanted to do is like, think back, like let's, let's, before they get to college, are there things we can give them some tools, some experiences, some relationships and uh, that would equip them to be uh, better suited to take on the realities of the world today um, than, than they were when they were in high school. And maybe that would alleviate some of the needs uh, that we have in the college level to try to provide therapy and, support and uh, and those sorts of things that we're, we're sort of in, encountering. So 
sort of thinking um, in that system theory and that idea that we do this together and that wellness is part of it. And I, I think about it um, much like my children are in a immersive school. So they're in third grade and kindergarten or pre-K and they're in a school where their whole day's in Spanish and they're learning Spanish. And both of my kids will be fluent Spanish speakers. Uh, my oldest is already. And it, because it's much easier to learn a language when you're young than for someone my age to try to you go back and well. learn Spanish. And so, so, so our theory, <laughs> our theory, the rest not, of not this conversation will be in Spanish only to, to test you. <laughs> Correct. You can yes, put your, that's you can right. push your that's SAP right. button. That's right. <laughs> Good luck. It will be in another language. We'll say that. Um, but I think about mental wellness and, and, and health and, and community wellness is something the younger that we can yeah. give that language to. I think the earlier, the, the better, the more resilient our people will be. Rather than getting to your, your middle part of your life or, or getting into college and then in the middle of the pressure of college, try to figure out your mental health. Yeah. You know? Um, so I think that's kind I think, of the right. I think that's crucial. I, I think for me, I, I, I'm all in on that, right? I think it's I think it's great. I think it's the kind of thing that we need to have more conversations earlier, more frequently with the people that we're in community and relationship with. I think where I struggle and I, I think it's a real challenge is it just in generally assessing like my own mental health. Like I don't like I, like I, maybe I want to talk about it, but I don't even know how to get the right words around it. Because I think a lot of the time when we start feeling emotions, I think sometimes they can kind of sneak up on us and like you're like I just don't feel great today and I'm just kind of mad and like I don't I don't really have a good reason to be frustrated today so I feel like I couldn't be but I, I don't really know how to talk about that and so I have a hard time bringing that up with people that I'm close with and in relationships I just I just want that to be over and then I can maybe talk about it down the road so how do I even how do I even assess what's going on in my own heart and my soul and my mind uh, in order to then be able to even have those conversations. A lot of people end up in my counseling practice coming to see me based on saying, I just don't feel like myself. Something doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I think deep down in our gut, we know when something feels off and we might not be able to have the words to be able to describe that well, but we know when things don't feel like they're working anymore. A lot of our go-to coping skills feel like they might have uh, worked at one point in our lives, and now uh, all of a sudden, uh, they they aren't providing the support that they used to. That feels like a personal targeting. <laughs> if we need to work your stuff I, out. I'm in my early 30s now and I'm like. If we need Ugh. to work your stuff out, we can talk offline. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. No, I think we should do it right here. It'd be great. Here Live I am. Session. I'm sorry to interrupt. I stopped. You were, you were after Oh, goodness. Huh. So I think that a lot of times we struggle to find the words, maybe because we've never been taught what words to be using. And so the only words we have are, I don't feel like myself. I will tell you that one of the greatest ways that we can start learning words is to go back. It helps if I can finish hearing the question of my ear, but modern, this is modern, real life. Modern problems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have that problem 10 years ago. I thought she was about to pull something Sorry, out. Sorry, y'all. You know, like, this has been extra dramatic. Um, if we uh, pull out an old school resource that's called a feelings wheel. I know. I'm glad that you're. Yes. 
I don't I thought have you were going to bring it out. Me. I thought you had one um, there. And it'd be hard to bring into focus. We will put a link on this one. We'll put a link. Um, we'll put a link. So just the same way that when you're it. young, you are taught a few things like glad, mad, sad. Um, or then do you remember those pictures of those faces where you got to put the magnet around which one you were feeling at the time? So what a yeah. feelings wheel is, is that it breaks down those feelings even more. So it will say, instead of just mad, it will give you lots of different feelings that are deeper often and more nuanced than mad. So for a lot of people, when they say, I don't know how I feel about all of this, uh, and I know that something feels not right with me, uh, pulling out a feelings wheel is a great way to start to navigate what might be going on inside you. Yeah, I, I, I've Googled one. And uh, let me just say, it is more than mad, <laughs> glad, sad. Yeah, it's some great, it's a great tool. Uh, I was working on a development project for an app that would integrate this into some college, so some resources, I hope it will come out our funding kind of uh, the, the group that was funding us kind of, kind of had some budget crunch issues. So uh, we it's currently on the ice, but but the, we landed on that use of that emotion wheel mm-hmm. as a really important way of cataloging your day. So so over a course of time, sort of being able to track, you know, I, th- I think it's a great practice uh, if you at the end of each day, even if you wrote like one or two sentences about your day, uh, and 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 you capture what you felt, what you remember for that day, and then and then maybe catalog the emotion that was most prevalent that day. Um, because what what we find, what I found with my students is um, they would talk about how they've just been so anxious lately. And they're just just anxious all the time. But then if 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 they start to, if I ask them for the hey, for the next week, will you just at the end of the day, will you just rank your level of anxiety on a scale of one to five? What they found was it when they're in that most anxious moment, mm-hmm. it feels like they've been anxious forever like this. And they can't see that yesterday they were only a two. Today Mm -hmm. they're a five and it feels like they've been a five forever. Um, And then if you tack in sort of the emotional wheel part of it is like, I'm not actually, it's not that I'm anxious. Isn't the best word to describe what I'm feeling today. Maybe it's um, a sort of a mix between excited for the weekend and, and I, and Mm -hmm. um, worried about my workload. Mm -hmm between here and there, you know, like there's, there's just like this nuance. There's this, there are these many levels of, but, but because we've only been getting certain words, depressed, anxious, mm-hmm. most common words we use when we talk about uh, not ourselves, those kinds of phrases. So um, anyway, I think, I think it'd be, it'd be kind of a cool practice if you, if you could pull out your emotion wheel um, and you should just carry it around with you, like around your neck. I do have a lot of like people that, I know that have tacked really. it to their fridge or their bulletin board. A couple people will fold it up and put it in their wallet. Um, those I know are the people that are trying to impress me. But um, I'm I'm a little mm-hmm. joking, but I think it's true. Like put it in your phone um, because I think it, where it's most helpful is when you're in the heat of the moment. Like even if it's a disagreement with your best friend or your spouse or, or someone at work um, to take a moment and sort of figure out what you're actually feeling rather than mm-hmm. your, what you're demonstrating. You know, it, it may not, you may be 
excuse me, you may be really worried about a project that you're working on, but it comes across to your coworker or your 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 fellow student or your best friend or whatever your parent as you're angry, um, because. But and so so just take that moment to step back and kind of figure out what am I actually upset <laughs> about here and to get put a word yeah. to it. Um, I, I, I do want to. I do want to say here that um, even myself, this is what I do for a living, is helping people name their feelings. That doesn't mean that I'm an expert at this either. Um, I, too, have those emotions where I go, I wonder what is going on. And I have to go back to the feelings wheel or tap into myself to figure out what the more deeply rooted emotion is in that moment. We become uh, better versed at our feelings the more we work on this, but it doesn't mean that we're always able to identify it right away. Um, We don't have this magic wand uh, that all of a sudden we go, I know exactly what I'm feeling. It will almost always require some introspection and some time with yourself and some work. And a lot of times for me, it involves some prayer in all of that too of God help me be in tune and honest enough with myself that I can name the deeper feeling that's happening in this moment. Oh yeah. I think you're, I, I was just, I was talking to a friend last night and uh, he's in Colorado and just, he's starting a church. It's a difficult, interesting time to launch a church. And I was just checking in on him and, and, and then he asked me, you know, how we've been doing. And I, and I just, I just talked about, you know, the first few weeks were like, I was just full of anxiety. And then last week was really depression. I was just sad. And this week's been a little bit better. And he's just like, well, what do you mean by mm-hmm. anxious anxiety? And I mean, just asking questions, you know, what do you mean by that? And then, and then, and I realized too, and even that moment I had, I had lumped two whole weeks under the label anxiety. Because I was worried about how I was going to pay my staff and what the financial situation was going to be. How do we keep all of our ministries moving? This sort of which brought out anxiety. But actually, my whole two weeks when I thought about it, when I when I stepped away, the fact that I named it like that and uh, enabled me to say, you know, I wasn't. And then I guess I should say, let me back up. Because I said I was anxious, and then someone said, "What do you mean by that?" I had the chance to go back and look and say, "Well." I was really anxious about this, mm-hmm. but I also loved being around my kids all week. Like it was fun. You know, there were fun things. Um, and so I think it was the combination of vulnerability and then someone practicing empathy mm-hmm. to say, what do you mean by that? That was the combination for me to be able to get to a place where I could sort so, of unpack so my, that. Because I, I think it's difficult to do it by yourself. Too. Yeah. My yeah. question then is, let's say that I take a few seconds and I pull up this feelings wheel and then I print it out and I wear it around my neck. Right? <laughs> and you become the coolest uh, so, person in town. Yes, obviously already <laughs> am. So uh, <laughs> very concerned about being cool. Uh, it is, I think it's, it's gr- great to understand those things and to be able to feel like I have it like, like internalized. Right. But I think, for a lot of us, especially in this context, and a lot of us that are a lot more extroverted, this has been a really, really challenging season for some people. I saw somebody make a joke. They took the cover of the Five Love Languages book, and it said, now without physical touch. And <laughs> I, it, it absolutely cracked me up. 
<laughs> so I think we ha we have to realize too that there's there's some challenges here between just understanding it a little bit for ourselves, but then a lot of time we need to process it. So Michael, how do you get to that level of conversation? What is that breakthrough where you can just take the idea and then actually start that conversation? I think it takes, I, the, I use the word vulnerability. I think that's like, and maybe some guts uh, to sort of put yourself out there. Um, and, and also I'd say practice. Like who do, who do you have a relationship with that you could, that you could say I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm sad or, um, or I pulled out my wheel and I found out that I'm, you know, whatever description you came up with, you yeah. know, um, I, I think, I think, and that's, I think that's, I guess what I've been experiencing in this um, is that there are people who are trying harder now than they have to have meaningful relationships with people without being in contact with them. And it's been hard. Um, my wife is, is extroverted. She's a people lover. She's working every day, but she's not around her friends. Um, and so she's used Marco Polo with this group of girlfriends and it's been like, I, I told her, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. Then don't. I gotta say you're it gonna, now. You're going to say um, this, this on is, a recorded thing I said, for I posterity. Like, you might be careful. Right. <laughs> I know, I know. You just, I, you I thought, like, and then you thought so much that it came out of your mouth. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. So now whatever comes out of your mouth next, I'm, this is me stalling for you <laughs> to be able to come right, up with right. what you, what that it. actually I was, was like, instead of no. you saying, I'm stalling. You've got five, four, so three, two. I'm part of this, right? I, I know all these I know all these women and and love them they're awesome people they they truly hu amazing human beings um, and uh, uh, but I was like I told her one night I was like I feel like every time we're we're done listening to your Marco Polos uh, it's like it's like listening to NPR you know it's like they could all be NPR because it's all like their their Marco Polos are just so uh, serious and weighty mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and I was kind of joking about it because the voices did sound like they could be on NPR, right. you know, all things considered. Um, but, but then I thought about, it, we started talking about, it, it's like, it's so, it's kind of cool because before this, that wasn't happening. It would happen in spurts, but now it's every day. They're just walking through like big decisions uh, about, you know, employment less important decisions, but, but important decisions, like choosing a dog, whether to get a dog or not. I mean, like all that kind of stuff. The answer um, is always yes. It's just always, yes. Yeah. It'll always, always, yes. Never to a cat, always to a dog. Um, anyway, I think that the idea of practicing is probably one of the most important things you can do. And that, again, that goes back to why we were so important and so interested in helping young people, high school right. students and their parents and their youth directors begin to practice vulnerability to talk about feelings, talk about what you're going through. And that's been kind of like one of my kind of personal endeavors is, is how do I model for my children and for my students that I work with and for, for my, my um, uh, colleagues I get to work with is how, do, how can I model sharing my feelings with them and what I'm feeling, the anxiety I'm feeling or the pressure I'm feeling as a way to invite them to be able to feel like they could share that with me too. That makes sense. That's a long answer. I do want to say that for some people listening to this conversation, um, talking about feelings might feel like a foreign language. 
It might be something that they've never experienced in their friendships or in their households or anything growing up. And and that's real life. There is nothing wrong with that. There are some families that talked about every feeling you've ever experienced around the dinner table and some families that uh, implied that feelings were bad. And, and so it might be something that you're trying to learn for the very first time now, regardless of what age you are. If it feels like a foreign language, um, find a trusted confidant to be able to practice on small scales of maybe try out one feeling word here and there. And if you feel like you don't have one of those safe spaces right now, um, you don't have one of those friendships that uh, you feel safe enough to be transparent at this moment, find a therapist and they will not judge you. They will sit with you and help you learn this language that feels so foreign, help you stretch, help you grow, help you become better in touch with what you're feeling so that these words don't feel scary and foreign So what I'm hearing is that these are the kinds of conversations that it's really critical that we have regularly. And whether we're comfortable with it and we feel like we have it already, there's good steps that we can take to understand and really progress in in the way that we understand our mental health and have those conversations. And then for some of us, we need to accept the challenge just to start, just to really look at it, think about it internally. And that maybe that big challenge is having a short one or two minute conversation with somebody that we trust to say, Hey, real quick, this is what I've been, this is what I've been dealing with. And this may seem strange because the nature of our relationship, I don't usually talk about these things, uh, but that those things can kind of have, have some breakthrough. Michael, what would you add? Well, I, you know, I've talked about this before um, that let me give, let me give a sort of an illustration of how I think the, another way of approaching it to an additional way of approaching it is, is sort of begin with yourself. Like yourself is your uh, is a great place to start, and that by by like journaling, um, talking out loud. I found that just sometimes saying out, coming up with the actual verbal words of what you're feeling and saying them out loud in a room to yourself can have just as an as much as of an impact as talking to a friend, because mm-hmm. it, there's a different process in your brain um, that that creates the words that come well, out of your I mouth. What if I feel crazy when um, I do that? That is what you okay. should feel. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Just put your headphones on and look at your screen and people will think you're having a zoom uh, call. That's perfect. And they won't think a thing of it. Anybody is talking to. So you could be talking to. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's true. Just <laughs> that's so talk true. until you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Talk until you feel good. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, there are different processes in your brain, right? So to, so take a concept that you have like up in your prefrontal cortex where you do all your thinking and stuff and putting that to your hand and mm-hmm. writing that out. That's that's one process. It takes an entirely different set of your brain to make it come to life through your words. Mm-hmm. So the different methods that you use to sort of create the words that you're feeling and to get them in your brain the, the more your brain spends time thinking yeah. about them. So a good place to start with yourself. It's just like you and I were talking about, um, I guess a few years ago, I started to to work out and, uh, and I decided I want to be healthier with my physical body. And, and I would have, 
I was entirely way too embarrassed to go into the gym. I wasn't going to do that. Um, I didn't have someone to go to the gym with. I didn't have any of that. And so I just decided I was going to do it in my basement and start working out. And and then I started to, the first thing I did in, in public was walk. It's like, I can walk. I don't, I don't want to run. I broke my back when I was young. I don't run, but I started walking. It was, and then, and then now I work out in the gym with friends and it, it took a long time, years to get from one place to the next place. And so I don't think you can just jump into a, like a deeply profound, meaningful relationship where you can be vulnerable mm-hmm. and empathetic and all that. And it just comes, I think you have to, you got to grow naturally and start with yourself uh, and then, and then do what feels comfortable taking it to the next level and bring somebody into to relationship that you feel like you can care for them as much as they care for you. That's encouraging. Lindsay, any other kind of final thoughts as we kind of start to wrap up? Well, as we live in a culture that struggles to talk about feelings, I notice it most often when we say to people, hey, how are you? Or hey, what's up? We almost never pause after that question for us, that's a version of saying hello, rather than actually asking what somebody is experiencing. Yeah. And so it's going to take work for us to change that question, uh, to really get at the root of what somebody's feeling, or to ask the question slow enough that we aren't simply implying, hey, and then kind of continuing to go on our way. And, and so it will take intentional work and modeling to one another. Uh, we're all trying to stretch and grow together. And so it will feel uncomfortable at the beginning if you're doing something new. Um, using Michael's analogy of going to the gym, there are certain muscles that when you use it for the first time, it really hurts. And then you don't want to do it again for a while because it hurts so much. But in reality, when you keep working that muscle, the pain starts reducing and reducing and the motion becomes more natural. The same way is true about naming our emotions, about expressing and taking care of our mental health as a whole. It will, over time, become second nature to be doing mental health activities as well as physical health activities. Yeah, I think it's, there's just rhythms and things that we get into in life that we just, we miss it when we kind of don't do it. Um, And we've been rewatching a lot of old comedies that we like as many of us have uh, since we're, more or less trapped inside and i think what's really fun is like i anticipate some of the jokes now and i'm not a big rewatcher, but like i like i look forward to what's going to happen even though i already know that i've seen it uh, and i think that that kind of excitement and expectation can definitely be present for us in these healthy emotional and rhythms of mental health that we kind of you have a great opportunity to kind of practice as our schedules have kind of been laid bare and we've been challenged to try new things anyways. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you guys thoughts and, and the wisdom and the experience that you have and that you've shared uh, other final thoughts before we kind of close. I think you just, at, at some point you have to start and, and everyone starts in different places um, but there's never a better moment than now to to start caring for yourself and uh, 
the the experiences you've had in life that have led up to this place that you find yourself in. And and there's absolutely no better time than now to look to the generation younger than you and be sure that that they know they've got a place they can come to. I think in the end, that's what we hope we're creating is a place, uh, a, a generation of people who look back and make sure that the next generation has has supporters and advocates and people who are modeling good mm-hmm. mental health and inviting them into meaningful relationships where they can be honest and transparent. Because the only way we can overcome this kind of like struggle of mental health that we're facing in, in, in our culture right now is is to create the kind of relationships that that enable someone to find wholeness. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is just to start. And you're gonna make a mess of it and that's okay because you're at least trying. And that's what matters the most in these kinds of things. I love it. That's extremely encouraging in this challenging time. Lindsay? I agree with Michael. We just have to start. Uh, As scared as we are, uh, the first step is the hardest, and then it gets easier. And it's just like learning a new language. It's going to feel strange at the beginning. And as time goes on, you'll get better and better at it. Yeah, I'm going to go print out a full page feelings wheel and I'm going to get some yarn, tie it around my neck, walk around. No, get a necklace like can't wait to get a giant. I can't wait to ask you next week how you are feeling (laughs) and hear a real genuine answer. That is my challenge for our next time we're together is we're going to come to this. Perfect. I love it. And we are going to come up with the word. I can't wait, y'all. That's right. Yeah. We're gonna model. How are you feeling? I'm gonna be like squidacious. You're gonna be like, what? <laughs> That's a word I made up to describe how I'm feeling. So, huh? <laughs> That's just pretty true in this pandemic quarantine uh, yeah, that I'm all, in. I'm searching for new words to describe. And what what I think will be cool in the next time that we get together and talk about that is that we're experiencing feelings right now in this pandemic that we might have never felt before, and so we need help finding that new language uh, for these new experiences we're having. Well, I'm looking forward to learning more from you guys and getting to continue our conversations and excited that we uh, have the opportunity to do this and that you guys are willing to give your time to it as well. So I I appreciate your your time and and your thoughts and your wisdom. Thanks. Thanks. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Not Alone. To find out more about us, you can find us on our Facebook, Instagram, and coming soon, you can see videos of our podcast sessions on YouTube. To find out more about the UM Commission's work in campus ministry, you can find us on social media, or you can go to our website at www.umcommission.org. See you next time.